Today's show is brought to you by MarriageSupply.com. Marriage Supply is the best place on the internet, wait, no, the earth, to find quality adult toys at great prices. Also, unlike those other sites, Marriage Supply uh, has no nudity or porn on the site, so you don't have to delete your internet history, if you know what I'm talking about. Just like Marky Mark said, come on and feel the vibrations with MarriageSupply.com. Nice. Today's show is also sponsored by Stamps.com. Stop wasting time at the post office. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter our code BADCHRISTIAN for a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. That's stamps.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Toby, when did you write that pre-roll, and did you write it, or did you have somebody else write that? I wrote that. Did you collaborate with somebody? No, I did not, Matt. I created it myself. (laughs) When? This morning. (laughs) (laughs) What made you do it? I've never seen you do something like that. Well, I just thought it'd be nice to have it written out, and I just thought about it for a little bit, and I wanted it to be a little funny and a little catchy. It was and, great. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. It was I, good I mean, copy. Yeah. It's, I mean, because when ads come in, you know, um, from doing ads a bunch of times on the podcast and then doing the professional ads that we got into, um, I guess it's weird because ads are like a big story about the Bad Christian Podcast when I think about them because there was – and now I'm off on a tangent, but you just have to roll with Here me. Here we go. But, but when Wait, we first... Matt Carter's off on a tangent? <laughs> what the hell's happening? We're going to stay on the pre-rolls for a while here, okay? So settle in. I mean, yeah, get, Take a get deep your, breath. Get It'll loop drink. back in and loop out get about 10 coffee. minutes from now. With And so that, when you said the pre-roll, it made me think of this. But it does make me think of the, you know, the rise of this podcast, like looking at it almost reflectively now. When it got ads... It really blew everybody's mind, and I realized I thought about this this weekend uh, about how many people, for a period of time of like at least three or four years, called me, tried to get meetings with me to talk to me, and it was almost always that was what it was about. Everybody's like, "Oh, Matt, uh, I I gotta." uh," What do they say? They always say, "I, "I would like to pick your brain" or whatever. Right. So, and there's many things over my time that people want to pick my brain about, but d- when the Bad Christian Podcast blew up, people wanted to talk to me a lot because podcasting was blowing up. So people say, yeah. "Oh, you know." But inevitably, that's you know, by the end of the most calls I would take, it would wind up with, "But you know, <laughs> and get the ads, you know, get the ads, and you, how do you get the ads?" And right. but, you know, when I thought, well, I'm trying to talk about the art form of podcasting, how you do it, or even technical stuff about how you route Zoom with this or you get video or go live, you know, all that kind of stuff as it was emerging. Um, And so I always enjoyed having the conversations, but I was very struck by 
how many people that's just all it they boiled it down to was you get ads but the fact that we got ads and we got them early and got them in those big ways it's almost like uh if you remember like the, it was like everybody was so happy for us that like we were know, legit we like it, it. it it legitimized this podcast in a way that was it, completely positive for its like like you know ad, oh bummer i got to listen to ads but when we got ads it felt like this grassroots thing actually made it somewhere i know and, it, and it always everybody's always been so happy that we have ads and i think that's always been part of our culture um and it's really cool but that made me think and you could talk about that if you want to but it made me think of how many times when we do ads or we were trying to figure that out and you work with people that don't do it like stamps.com or ZipRecruiter, the big ones, and people try to write their own ad copy for something when you try to do one-off ads and how terrible it always is. Like people don't have any grip. They're like, I just want to be on a podcast, you know, so just say my company or whatever. But what you had to say in a short period of time that you could write into copy, all of a sudden it sounds really stupid if you don't have it written out or don't really right. know it. And you already know marriage supply, so you talk about it a lot, and you talk about it quite naturally, and it's, oh, it's so great because it's improvised. But this is good copy. It I really sounds, I mean, it sounds like something that comes from one of the ad agencies, not from when you work with somebody else on their thing. So it's actually at a yeah. very high level there. But, you know. Maybe the big Welcome boys to want the to hire show. me for copywriting. Maybe yeah. they want to hire me. I mean, I'm, but you're so I, resistant to doing it. I mean, it take it's like it's, you've done a million, you've done this a million times, and you finally sat down and wrote copy <laughs> and thought ahead about it because that's not in your mode. That's not you don't do that. It's very hard to think ahead <laughs> for me. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't really. Yeah, I, I just thought it'd be nice to have a little something written out, and so I messed around with it for a little bit. But it is fun to write stuff. It. I think it's just the weight of writing something like this is a little bit easier because it's just a short little blurb, but like writing something about like, I've been working for two years on a bad Christian book. I had started it and then, uh, we parted ways with Joey. And so that changed everything. So I'd sat on it for a while. I let the BC clubbers read all the chapters that I've written so far, but now I'm figuring I'm like five or six chapters in and you have some history about BC and all this stuff. I just figure people that love this podcast might would read it. I don't think it's going to be like a bestseller in the world. But now I don't know the weight of everything. You should call it changed. how to get ads on your podcast and <laughs> yeah. it will not stop selling. And people have been asking us to make that book and make a video course. I've had people say, you got to make a video. Yeah. You know? And just it doesn't make sense to me to do those things. But that is what people want. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'm saying, but like going back to the ad copy thing though, it, when you write a uh, more than just a little short paragraph, it starts feeling heavy. You start going, wait a minute, mm-hmm. is this getting boring? Did I screw up? What should I say? This should I leave this out? Should I put this in? All that stuff. So a little short paragraph, really nice. The the big stuff, like I, I that's what I always wonder with like ghostwriters when they're somebody puts in their the person's words and you know then they have to. They have to put that person's words into readable material and how you do that. And then the the famous person could just blame you or you don't get it right. You have to get inside their head, all that stuff. So, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so like Dennis Rodman's book, for instance, or whatever, you know. Right, it's just yeah, like, exactly. He just, there's got to be people that's like, we'll give you whatever million dollars to write a book. And they say, it's fine, but yeah. I don't I don't write or type. You know, right. so you let me talk to somebody and that can they can make that a book if they want it to. That would be yeah, pretty hard. But they do it. I think that's like tons of books are that way. Well, besides writing, here's what I've been up to. I have been sleeping in my basement for Love on five, the Rocks for five days. No, our marriage couldn't be better. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm telling you. So, okay. So it started because I got this horrible crick in my neck and I was just tossing and turning and it, it's still with me today. Like it's been, it's lasted for like five or six days. Like it's just really, so it's like a pinched nerve. Maybe it's like, I can feel it sometimes even going down my left arm a little bit. Like if I'm exercising or something, it mm-hmm. just sucks. And I was like, well, Jess, I know you got to get up early. I don't want to keep you up. So I might just sleep downstairs a couple of nights, see if it gets better. But then I got down here and I just, I can turn, leave the TV on at night. Watch, you know, the TV down here is bigger. I got mm-hmm. a really nice, it's an air mattress, but it's like the really nice ones. You know what I mean? Like the really good ones. So it's, it's yeah. good sleeping. I just yeah. turn on my noisemaker as loud as I want. It, it's pitch black in here. And with the noisemaker, it really reminds me of the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Like, cause I'm just in my basement, you know, it's not that, you know, it's not a finished basement. I mean, there's some, a little bit of rugs and stuff down here, TV and stuff, but it's not like a totally finished basement. So it feels a little bit like the wood on the bus, you know what I mean? Just like, and every, it just is so great. And I just, I'm telling you, it really is like the marriage is great. And I, I guess I'm going back tonight to the, to the bed, but I just don't even know anymore if you need to, I think I've been, I was lied to about, you had to share a room with somebody. Now, I like sharing the house with people, 100%. Don't get me wrong. I love sharing a house with my whole family. That is wonderful. I love people being around and all that stuff. But when you go to sleep, I just there's a certain, like in my bunk in the bus, I can just watch you know something on my phone or tablet or whatever and fall asleep or the, the rumble of the engine or the tires. All this is so great. In, in the bed, there's another person in there that I'm aware of when I wake up and when I yeah. do stuff. And I just, it, it, I think... Like, Jess, no worries at all. She gets up, makes as much no- noise as she possibly can. Never would think. It doesn't, there is no anxiety with being quiet when she gets up to do anything, right? Me, I just feel like, oh, I got to be quiet. Let me close the door. It's awfully. Let me go this way. Do this. You know, it's, let me turn the TV off for Oh, I better turn the volume. All this stuff. When you got your own room, you ain't got to worry about that. Yeah. I mean, you just don't have to. And, and I mean... And- it, it, it it's not like there's a lot of boning going on down there in, in the in the bedroom anyway. So it's not like we're always like all cuddling. We're not cuddlers. We get as far away as we can from each other in our king size bed. <laughs> yeah, if you had your own domain, you know, it could be like you know, you could stay over and she could come over. And stuff, I know that's what I'm know? saying. That kind of happened the other night. I was like, "Hey, what's going on? You know, we gotta uh, we'll come over to my place. Come out in the basement. Yeah, you, got- you know, let's hook up. We hooked yeah. up, and then uh, I went to my place. I went to my pad. <laughs> I mean, you, you could you could be cybering your wife from like downstairs, and then actually hook right. up in real life too. Yes, and, and you decide a location randomly and swipe yeah. it. You know, do it. You know, you could make a whole. I know it's whole, awesome. I, you know, event out of it. She, uh, we've been watching that. You seen uh, Mayor of Easttown? Yeah, it's so good. It's a uh, what's her face? Um, what? Damn it, Kate. Kate Winslet. She's in it. But the other night, it was like we were like, "Hey, you want to get together, watch a movie?" And we did, yeah. <laughs> or watch a TV show. We, so we did. And then you know, she went to bed. She goes to bed way earlier than me too. That's the other thing. She goes to bed way earlier. I mean, she gets up at like four every day. So it just it, like either I just fall asleep on the couch and then I have to get up. Go all the way to my room and all stuff. Or I got my own room. So I don't know if this is going to keep... I'll probably go back to my bed after this, but... And then the other thing that sucks is I'm going to have to take care of. And this is... I don't know how much it's going to cost. It's going to be awful. But one of our windows is just leaking. But it's not the window. It's like the frame. And now the uh, sheetrock is all crazy. And so uh, even during this podcast, the guy is going to come out and look at it. So I might have to get up here in a few minutes. 
and do that. But I'm like, oh shit, how much is that going to cost? And then I went outside and my car went and crank. And I, now I'm just thinking, where's the third thing? Because I promise you, if any superstition I've ever believed in my life is things come in threes. Bad things come in threes. Yes, yes. And and we've had a good run. We just had a good run since we moved to Champagne. Like good stuff. Like I mean, it's oh, so almost now you're too due good for bad stuff. I'm so it's been fucking too good. due. Yeah, I am very yeah. due. I mean, it's been great. So now windows falling apart, rain pour, water water <laughs> pouring in. My car won't crank, and I'm like, uh oh, what is, you know, I, I just, I don't, I'm waiting for this third one. I'm a little nervous about it. I hope it's just like a little sick or something. I don't know, <laughs> like a little cold. I don't want it to be something real bad. How long will you hold the, uh, pardon the pun, window open to say the third thing came or didn't? I think about a month. I think about a month. <laughs> <laughs> so bad things like that come in threes, but within a month time. Yeah, yeah, about a month, month or so. It's like it just kind of hits you. It's just some stuff like that. So I know there there <laughs> so will be something else. Another way to put it would be to say, on average, three bad things happen per month. Like no, not every, every month. month I'm saying. Surely you could say three bad things happened in any. No, given here's month. what it is. It's like a month in review. Come up with three things. No, sure it, you, here's you what it is. It. You, I don't ever notice it until the second one. So something bad, like, you know, a little something bad happens whenever, right? You know, a little something bad, like, you know, oh, shoot, this happened, blah, blah, blah. But So the window starts pouring water. I try to fix it. I can't fix it. The sheetrock's wet. I'm like, oh, shit. No, everybody's busy. No one can come. I'm like, okay, well. But it's, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't think anything of it. Go outside right. to crank my car. It doesn't and crank. The, oh, I'm like, now you're immediate really... thought, I was like, uh. Oh, because <laughs> now number two. three's coming. Now, yeah. so now I just sit and wait for number three. Something bad. And, and if number two was something so little as the car won't crank, dead battery, that means number right. three is probably going to be a whopper. Well, I don't know. I'm wondering how much it's going to cost for the window. That's maybe the big, that's the that whopper, might be the big yeah. whopper. And then I think the the third one. I don't know what it'll be. So it'll be something like it. It'll be something stupid like. <laughs> Uh, like like when uh, Norm, uh, when we moved here, Norm, our dog, we thought he ate something metal, and he was yeah. So we had to go to emergency vet at like eleven o'clock at night. It was like five hundred dollars or something like that, just to find out that he was still a puppy and had kennel cough from when he was at the shelter. And, we and was that from. part of a cluster of three bad things? No, or was that it was a only one, one thing. It was just one. <laughs> yeah, one one thing. Okay. That I was totally. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, if it's just one, you know, one thing's gonna have bad. But yeah, if two a little bad something. things happen, once two happens, you know, if three is you know on three the is way. Coming. Yeah, that's you're, exactly what it is. You don't think but, it's a, you're primed? I mean, you, you, surely you'll find a third thing, even if it's like, oh man, fingernails. Like, I got a bad fingernail here. Like, of it, you'll find a third thing. Oh yeah, yeah, you can for sure. Uh, yeah, that, that, oh, I will probably find some, but I mean, it'll be something that I'm like, I told you. But That's then, I, w- once the third thing happens, you'll feel a great peace because that's never four. All right, it's not, <laughs> it never, never once been four that I remember. <laughs> so, you know, once that third bad thing happens, I mean, it's a wow. Right. You take a load off, then then you're feeling good. Well, I'll tell you something that is good that always happens is Stamps.com. We've been talking always. about as Stamps.com has loved this podcast, treated us so good. They've been amazing. And they keep asking the question, and you folks out there that, that haven't tried it yet, are you still going to the post office? Are you still paying full price for postage? Well, thanks to Stamps.com, you don't have to do that anymore. Mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay less, a lot less with discounted rates from the USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com saves businesses thousands of hours and tons of money every year. Seriously, Stamps.com's 
brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. It must ha- it's a must-have for any business, whether you're small office sending invoices, a side hustle like Etsy, an Etsy shop, shipping out orders, or just navigating this hybrid work life. Uh, you know how that is with COVID. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. No wonder why over 1 million businesses choose Stamps.com for their mailing and shipping. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's a no risk. Uh, there's no risk, and with our promo code Bad Christian, you get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No and no long term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Bad Christian. That's stamps.com promo Bad Christian. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. And that is why I was so happy. This is a true story. Um, I I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just drop off some packages at the post office i had to go run some errands i said i'll just take the package jess had a letter or two i was like oh wait my car ain't cranking all i did put my packages right in the mailbox put up the red flag and didn't he have to go to the post office like stamps.com said i was gonna it was gonna be unnecessary anyway i don't even know what i was thinking my my mailbox was right there so i didn't even you you were shook because of the two bad things right right you weren't thinking straight yeah i mean between number two and number three you're just shook like it's a terrible state to be in. Well, oh, you know what? Number three, <laughs> I might already know. Okay, what is I didn't. It? I just, I just realized what it might be. What is it? The possibly? damn crypto's going into the Earth's core. Yeah, yeah. It's, the the it's whole world economy is going to tank. That damn it. The fourth one, third one was a whopper. The fourth, yeah, the third one ended up being really bad. <laughs> I mean, every stock that I've ever invested in is low, and any crypto that I've invested in ain't that almost all my stocks in crypto is so low that it almost doesn't exist. I can't even believe it. So I just, I don't even know. I don't know what this is going to mean. And I'm telling you, it's really crazy. I already see a bunch of people going, uh, you see the gas wouldn't happen under Trump. Yeah. They see this stock market wouldn't happen under Trump. And here's what I'm saying. Everybody knows Trump is an asshole, an idiot, terrible, all this stuff. But Biden can really screw things up for the Democrats just by some bad things happening. It might not even be necessarily it can his be control, framed. Yeah, right? it'd be framed. But it will be such, framed yeah. that way. And, and yeah. somebody like Donald Trump will, of course, frame it Capitalize that way. On, yeah, I mean, sure. he's going to say we had the the biggest gain in the stock market ever, and then as soon as I'm out, guess who comes in? Y'all, y'all, y'all want another one of those? I mean, the Dems might be the, – yeah, it's the narrative. Not that it's true, that kind of but thing. the narrative is going to be there. I mean, he couldn't control a hacker hacking into a pipeline. or whatever, You know I mean? That's just what – but it just – the way things happen – that's just how it goes, and it, there will be a story like that. Well, I got a $90 fill-up today. It was my highest of all time. Oh, my God. It was man. on the how big rig, you? and it was uh, $3.99 a gallon, and it was a full, oh. full, you know. I was riding it, riding the line hard all the way to Super E at the highest gas prices on the biggest car, and damn it if I didn't accidentally pick the 89 Octane instead of the 87. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> At the 89, I said, oh, shit, I'm in for a ride now. But I hit 90, which I was kind of impressed. I was thinking, right. well, if I see 100, you know, I'd, yeah, 90 is real expensive. 100, I would have thought was an achievement. Right. So you didn't have, Y'all didn't have any shortages or anything in Seattle. I don't think so. It's not, not that. It's just, yeah. I think that was mostly in the South for whatever reason. People just hoarding it. You see them, they were like filling up Tupperware containers and stuff with it. I mean, like those big, you know, like a storage crates full of oh, gas. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, good God. Uh, it looks like our guest is here. So um, I don't know how to pronounce the name of the guest. Though. Well, let's just so, ask him. Well, I'm going to spell it for people. H-E-I-N-O, <laughs> first name, 
Last name, F-A-L-K-A-F-A-L-C-K-E. What's your guess? Okay. Hino Falky. Yeah, I was thinking Hino, maybe, but it might be he, he and no. It's German. He and no Falk, but Hino Falk. I don't know. (laughs) All right, let's give it a shot. Here we go. Can you hear us and see us? I can see you. I'm just looking for my mouse. Oh, there it is. All right, mm-hmm. we hear you. Here I am. Okay. All Terrific. Right. We were just trying to do the little debate about how to pronounce your name and apologize for not knowing, but could you give us the reveal? Uh, no, I'll keep it secret. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, it's a Heino Falcon. All right. Okay. Matt, I think you, I think you got it right. Heino is easy. It's like, hi, no. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know. Like, like, you know, you don't, you don't want, don't want to talk to me. Like you say hi. And then it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I know. And I really love your virtual background there. I don't know exactly what it's from. If it's from a spaceship that I would know. It, or it's anything, a spaceship but. and it has some black holes there. And I, I don't know which version it is actually exactly. If, 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 if there are two versions, one has some aliens as well, but uh, you know, it's, that was from a virtual meeting that we had that a student of mine made. Oh, very cool. Well, hi, no, we're glad to have you here. Your book is called Light in the Darkness, Black Holes, the Universe, and Us. So just a light reading, not much, yeah, right? It's just a, <laughs> not that, too that, heavy. That was the idea. I think it is a light reading, actually, <laughs> in all respects. You know? Right. Well, I, I think a lot of people are intimidated. When you start talking about black holes, I think a lot of people do, you know, they get a little bit like, what are we talking? You know, you, you mentioned aliens. Are, are aliens real? Some people... Uh, We've heard about black holes, and now we have some photographs, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But uh, anyway, before we get into it, I wanted to, one of the things you wrote here uh, in your book, it says, uh, space has always been tied to knowledge and myth, faith and superstition. What do you mean by that? I think space, I mean, the heavens, the sky, when you look into it, always challenges us to think about what's out there. And that actually... You know, we always had the feeling that there is something more out there, other worlds, so to speak, you know, a, a world that's beyond our earthly existence. And, uh, and, and so we filled that space with our imagination, with, mm-hmm. with faith, with, with dreams, with expectations, with myth um, throughout the entire history of, of humankind, I think, uh, and now we're exploring it with telescopes. We're going there in person. Well, not very far, just, you know, to the moon at most at the moment uh, in, in person, but with, with rovers on Mars, with satellites all the way out to Pluto, uh, even beyond the solar systems. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're getting in the realm of dreams and faith and myth and exploring yeah, a completely new, uh, new world out there, which is more than just a world. That's what I was thought was interesting about your story, though, is that you do have faith in a, a bigger power or a God, and at the same time are you know studying the universe and and a scientist, a, a you know astrophysicist. Uh, I thought that was interesting because are you a unicorn or do, are there more more like you that are starting to mix science and their faith are combined. Well, I'm not sure that this has any to do with <laughs> with the star signs, <laughs> what, what you believe. Um, but you know, hasn't it been most of the history that 
scientists actually have been thinking about God as well. I mean, this has been one of their most important question. And, and you know, the, the physics was just little detail they, they cared about. Uh, many of the big scientists that our current science is based upon it, were, you know, believing, you know, faithful people. So I, I don't think it's very unusual in that sense. It's maybe, you know, saying something about our times that things have diverged a little bit and maybe that's creating, you know, uh, you know, it, it's useful at some point, you know, be, you know <laughs> for example, if you, if you want to fly in the airplane, right? Um, uh, you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to have to step in it and having to pray all the time that it actually works, right? So you, right. you, you want that it was designed by people who understand the laws of physics, who understand the laws of aerodynamics, who are good engineers, who've done the work well. Um, but then, you know, I'm sitting in this airplane and I'm talking to people. I think, you know, it's, I'm not going to talk about science all the time. We'll talk about their, their problems and their, their fears sometimes uh, and, and, and their faith and their belief. And, uh, you know, and then you have, you know, you can talk about God in the airplane, which is just physics. And, and, and this is a wonderful world. <laughs> Bringing things together is, right. I think, important. So through through the history, through all of the history of technology and science and discovery, those things have been wrapped up, and it's only in the you know relatively recent and maybe only temporarily so that things have gotten so uh, divorced from one another and specialized uh, in that way where faith and spirituality and discovery you know have been a little bit more. It almost feels that they at, at, for in most education and stuff gets this monocropping effect where it's just very specialized and stay in your lane and hyper develop this. And in the process, um, some of the big question asking stuff has been put into particle physics versus, you know, other fields kind of thing. And so there is, we are in a time when it's maybe the least of, of it all being synthesized together. Like that's, that's a, it's a thing that is not well received often. And it comes with some liability to try to uh, do interdisciplinary type stuff. I fully agree. I think we are, you know, as, as people say, you know, we're becoming more and more experts in over smaller and smaller fields. You know, in the end, we know everything about nothing. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. in, in the past you had, you know, a much broader view. You were asking broader questions and I think that's sometimes missing in physics. I, I really think we've lost a little bit in science our ability to talk about, you know, the big question about philosophy, about theology, about God. Um, you know, it's becoming more and more difficult to have a you know, sensible discussion about God with, with colleagues, simply not because they don't, um, you know, because they don't know they'll have the language anymore. They don't think about these questions. And, and sometimes you're really talking you know, about some very naive perspectives about God. And of course, I mean, Christians and religious people are being blamed as well. It's not just the scientists. I mean, there have been a lot of stupid things have been said about science by, uh, by people of faith. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, this, this schism, schism of, you know, the two worlds, um, you know, is... It's, you know, there's not just one cause for it, but I think it, it, it will be harmful at some point because, mm -hmm. you know, we, we are still humans and we, we don't just live by technology. Technology is so important, absolutely, but we're, we're not just technology. We're so much more. 
And that's where faith, I think, is, is, is quite important to define who you are yourself. I see many scientists, you know, certainly young scientists running around asking themselves, what, I am, what am I doing? What I'm doing for? And, and fighting, you know, about, about their own, own identity and, and you know, struggling with their own identity, who they are and, and, and what, what they should do in their lives. Um, and, you know, and, and science will not answer that question. I, I sometimes have the impression that people try to, you know, fill the spiritual needs they have with science. I don't think that will work in the long run. But there's, well, I mean, there's a quite a blur though, because there's a lot of people that are into science and technology who will then roll it into like, you know, some of the AI crowd is almost pretty religious and they think there's a meaning and a shared purpose or, you know, so maybe the Nick Bostrom followers, like it almost becomes religious or something. Like if you get deep into simulation theory or trying to, worship the singularity taking over like you can get into that same kind like it gives you a purpose more than just doing a, doing the test absolutely it is some of the things that you know i hear from from science people you know come across very spiritually actually mm -hmm. and uh, i mean there's a you know you mentioned simulations there is a certain belief among some, you know some fraction of, of of nerdy people that we are actually living in a simulation mm -hmm. right so that we are we were just one big computer simulation and um, that, and they even test this, you know, I think it's, it's fine to test it experimentally if you, if you want, but, you know, there's some, you know, talking with some of those people, I think that they actually truly believe that this is the most sensible description of the world that we are living in a, in a, in a simulation. And, uh, and one of the, interestingly, one of the answers sometimes you get is, well, yeah, now, you know, how, how does it come, you know, that the world is so, perfect, that it works and so forth. And it was set up, you know, it, it, it's a simulation. We're just being fooled to believe it, it's real. And, and that sounds to me like a, you know, a seven day creationist story, right? Yeah. So God it just made the world it like it is. Like and, that. you know, it, it just looks old, you know, it, it's just fooling us. us. And so that right. looks pretty much the same kind of belief. Yeah. Just one yeah. now in the, in the, you know, Purely from the science background. That's a great way to look at it is the implanted memories seem like uh, planting uh, fossils that look yeah, like they're $250 balls. million dollars, million years million old. Years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, though. That's why I was wondering, do you think, though, because of thoughts like that, is it just a more palatable religion that people – is? and that's the human aspect? Like we, we actually do need to have faith in something. We do need to have hope. We need to need to have a, a higher power or a savior. Like I think a lot of people, when you said AI, like is a religion, it would be that AI would surpass us and become our savior. Same way as you know Jesus grew from nothing, you know, it, it, you know, just a low carpenter to savior of the world, uh, something like that. I do wonder if it, that is kind of meeting somewhere because, like, if you if you said. Like simulation, we've talked about the simulation theory a lot on this podcast. I can see it as feasible because, like, when I read the Bible, I just hear we came out of Jesus's or God's mind, right? There was nothing, and then God just breathed everything. We're just thoughts in his head. So I could see something like that. The idea, not, I'm not saying I believe that, but just I could see that we are just thoughts that, that this creator had, and now we're here, and this reality is just based on what parameters God made. So I could see that. I wonder if, on some level, religion and science meet there as a higher power creator. Maybe I don't know. I, I think what I think certainly is true is that there is a spiritual need that's really you know implanted in us. Uh, we long for this. 
and uh, in, in fact, it's true that you know we are scientific messiahs, right? So I mean, if I sometimes hear how people talk about Carl Sagan, for example, you know, who, who he led them into science and, and really inspired them, you know, it sometimes gets a bit religious. Or talk about Elon Musk, right? So if you know, whenever I say something mildly negative about Elon Musk on Twitter, you immediately get his followers, yeah. you know, upon yeah. you and, and 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 trashing you. And you know, he's promising promising salvation, I think, you know, uh -huh. of, of this world. And you know, we go to Mars, this is our future, we leave everything behind, you know, and technology is our salvation. Mm -hmm. I think these are modern-day messiahs, um, which I think you know misses. Exactly the point of, of Jesus. Yes, who was, uh, to me, is a true Messiah, but you know who who became big through his weakness, right? So you know, not through his, you know, yes, there were miracles that, that being talked about. You know, what what's so important about Jesus is that he, you know, uh, you know, he died for us. He, he cared about the sufferings. He he, he talked to the the, the the least of 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 us. Yeah. That's what he cared about. He was. Deeply, deeply human, uh, and caring about uh, about people, and it's not technology that will save us. It's our hearts and our minds and our spirits that I think will, will save us as a as as a as a as a as, a, as humans. Um, and yeah, in the end, I think it's you know, it, to me, God is the one thing that connects us all. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to make you go hard left turn from there and remind you that you're a radio astronomy and astroparticle physics uh, professor. So now I want you to shift and explain to our audience, what's a black hole? I don't think we got it. Can we, what, what is it? I don't even know. I, when when I read radio physics, I thought you were a radio DJ. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh he's yeah. a physicist. Like, I don't even know what that means. What, what does that even mean? What is uh, radio? Actually, you know, one of my students is actually a DJ, and he does radio astronomy, so, uh, um, so it goes together. <laughs> and uh, now we, we receive radio emission, radio waves from the universe. Uh, it, ter it turns out the entire universe emits radio emission. Stars do that. The sun actually does. Jupiter does. Um, galaxies do. And black holes do. And the entire universe is actually filled with a radio glow, radio static, you know, static noise that fills the entire sky. And that comes from the Big Bang. So we try to make sense of that radio noise. It's typically noise that we actually just uh, record. Is that, the, is, is that cosmic? Uh, background absolutely you, you you know you you'll major in, uh, in 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 astrophysics <laughs> soon i'm sure yeah the cosmic microwave background radiation mm -hmm. that was actually you know um discovered in the last last century and and you know it it has the perfect shape of a of a in fact of of hot iron you know you know if if you heat up iron it becomes glowing red right and uh, and that's heat radiation. And what we measure in the universe is that it's everywhere full of heat radiation, as if there's a hot uh, steel, you know, surface all around us. Yet the universe is transparent; you can look through it. Um, how can that be? Well, there's apparently no, that exists. the The cosmic background radiation exists between galaxies and between. When there and when there are no atoms present, 
everywhere. It actually, it, it passes through galaxies. It's sometimes absorbed and sometimes re-emitted. It actually fills the entire cosmos everywhere. You know, every every square feet is filled with that radiation. Wow. Actually, and would um, it be would it would that is the cosmic background radiation extend? Only to the because Toby was asking me this on another podcast yesterday, so this is a great chance to yeah. nail it all the way down. <laughs> Beyond the expansion of the universe, there is no cosmic radi- background radiation, or there is it well, it's, it's always part of this universe, wherever mm-hmm. this universe is, there is this cosmic microwave background radiation. And today, it's actually not doesn't have the temperature of steel or of hot steel. It just has an extremely low temperature, very cold. But as you go back in the in the history of the universe, you're looking back to its earlier stages. It it essentially was at some point much 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 hotter, actually much hotter than than glowing mm-hmm. steel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the point when the Big Bang was expanding. You had this big fireball, and at some point, you know, it, it was completely optically thick you couldn't look through it it was like glowing iron so to speak just much much hotter and then it became you know bigger and expanded and then became transparent and after that the universe is now transparent and it's filled with that radiation which is still the remnant of that early fireball that we see Mm -hmm. and that is where we got that 14 billion years ago the, the 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 we think that the Big Bang, according to to current uh, best measurements, about thirteen point eight five billion years ago. You know, give or take a few hundred million years. But you know, that's that's about the uh, uh, the age of it. And then um, I think the Big Bang, the fireball, was like about three hundred eighty thousand years after the Big Bang. So pretty much thirteen point eight. And I mean, this is going to be a really dumb question, but I'll just ask this because uh, it, it's, I mean, when I was growing up, we, I grew up in a very small evangelical church and the big bang was dangerous to our faith. Like it was, don't do not believe that God, God didn't do no big bang. It was God, you know? And then as I got older, I was like, well, let me think about it a little bit, but it, as it's in general, I'm assuming it is, it's the way it seems now, the big bang theory is the predominant theory right that everybody believe that is Absolutely. basically what happened almost no matter what everyone i mean i mean when i grew up there were some scientists who were battling it yeah fighting it because they didn't didn't like it and they too fought it for religious reasons but for the opposite reason because they thought if they would be, you know if the big bang were true then would god would come out of the grave you know, because, you know, that would, would say that the universe had a beginning. It came, it, it all started in one point right. in time. Um, and so they were afraid it, it were true and were trying to, trying to uh, argue against it. But essentially, they all died out. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, it's, um, I mean, as someone once said, you know, a theory only dies with, you know, its last proponents. Hmm. And that, that happened here as well. I don't think there are very, you know, any, in the scientific community, I haven't heard those voices at yeah. all. In the last not even the evangelical believing Christians uh, in the scientific community are, are offer anything much of an alternative. I mean, you know, there, I, I'm sure there is technically some, probably, of people that hold uh, intelligent design that are active in science, but maybe I don't know. Probably not much. I, I, I am. We have a mailing list of Christian astronomers. I'm not aware of. Uh, of, of astronomers, it would be very hard to do astronomy to believe in a, in a universe yep. which is just six thousand years old, because you would have to believe everything is fake that we see. Yeah, I mean there, there's just overwhelming evidence for evolution of the universe, uh, development, and and 
big distances, huge ages uh, that that go beyond anything that we can understand and could comprehend as as humans, right? In you know, billions of years. I mean, and, it, and there is no. I mean, you, 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 there are always errors, right? You can always be wrong at some point, but not by that that much. I mean, right. this is. I mean. So I don't think that there's any discussion at all. And, 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 and so the, the, there are pockets, I think, where, where this theory survives, and that's really their own, their own communities, which yep. really don't interact much with, with, the, with the normal science community, I would say. I, I've been familiar with this debate you know, my whole life um, in a way. And so my take on it is that we're in the middle of some kind of flip right now, or at least I can say since I was young, in the last 30 years or so, um, a lot has changed so much so that science has seemed to bump up into more and more limits and things that can't be explained and the, and the amount that people understand basic science enough to get there is now almost led it to where pe people who are strong more in a dualistic way or want there to be something other. Okay. I'll put it this way. Physicalism, uh, is the enemy of the, the physicalism is, is what it was seen like the people where we grew up didn't like the, the explanation that there's nothing but the physical. And so that on those grounds, there was a fight between evolution, big bang science, yeah. because science was painted to be simply a physicalism kind of a thing. And so since we know there's more than just the physical world, there's a soul, there's a something, there's a spiritual, there's a beyond, there's a heaven, that physicalism is a thing that was railed against so much. But now what people are do, do, we've explored so much in the universe, we get to black holes, we get to wormholes, you get to all these crazy things, and then starting to study consciousness and the fact that, like you said, the Big Bang itself implies a beginning of something, and there may be multiple universes now. Like all these things have come up so much that physicalism isn't even the debate anymore, and it's almost now that that I feel like people of faith have a new freedom to almost say, "See, your the like they they want to say, see, your science doesn't hold up,' but really, science now points to things beyond." The physical, you know, in a yeah, way that is now become exciting for everybody. But also, here right. we go and simulate, you know, like it's we're we're entering some new territory of what the sides of the debate really are going to be. Yeah, and one of the things I, you know, I I rediscovered while writing this book again is that how we ran into the limits of science as well, and how fundamental these limits are for science. I mean, we we've discovered a lot of things in the in the past hundred years, you know. The Big Bang, you know, we, we we made the first image of, of a black hole, right? That's that that's what this you know what, what this book was about. You know, I'm not I haven't explained yet what the black hole is, but you know, we all know it's sort of you know a huge amount of mass and uh, surrounded by an event horizon where you know nothing can escape, no light, no information, um, and so this, this poses a fundamental limit to our knowledge because we can't know what's going inside. There's mm -hmm. some some space in this universe, which we can actually now see, we see the darkness from, from a black hole, we can look into it, so to speak. We could, in principle, if you would live long enough, fly into a black hole, but would never be able to come out and tell what we see. And that's one of the big questions today is, you know, how do we deal with these limitations? What, you know, according to science, it's very hard to figure out how can we ever know anything about before the Big Bang? How can we know anything inside? Black holes. How can we 
predict the future. In fact, you can show that's almost impossible to, to predict the future of the universe. Uh, it's because you know, of chaos theory that you've heard about, right? So, I mean, there's so many little details which influence each other that the systems as a, as the universe are completely unpredictable. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago. Unpredictable. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, longer than 30 years, but where, you know, maybe it was before quantum or so where it seemed like they science felt that it was going to be able to completely understand everything at some point. Like they exactly. thought that they, they, they thought that we're, we, there's a few more things to nail down and then we will have comprehensively understood the universe. But now exactly. it's, we know less than we have ever known. <laughs> well, yes and no. We know so much more In than that. Proportionally though. But, but we also, but we also know our limits, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I believe we'll never be able to know everything. In fact, the more we'll know, the more we'll learn that we're fundamentally unable to really predict what's going to happen and to find out everything that happened before us. Mm -hmm. um, and what we'll find is, you know, the limits of our, our knowledge. And that's okay. I think that's even great because it leaves open our ability to search for answers, to ask yeah. questions, to still explore uh, and to believe. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that's what, uh, what makes this universe so, so, fundamentally fa fascinating that we can actually explore it with our mind. We can do science, we can predict things, we can build things, we can have technology, but we're never hundred percent certain. We, we, you know, we never covered it all. We, we, we never have all the answers. And uh, I think that that's a good, good thing. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's, well, I know we won't have all the answers, but yeah, Matt, I kind of hijacked your question earlier, but let's talk about black holes because that's your your book, Light in the Darkness, Black Holes is the first <laughs> under the line there. Um, so tell us, there what uh, you said an event horizon, which I just know is the movie. There's a scary movie called Event Horizon that I watched a long time ago, but an event horizon causes a black hole. Just, just explain that, what an event horizon and what a black hole is, I guess. That's about as simple as I can get it. <laughs> Well, the first thing you, you do in order to create a black hole is you, 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 you buy yourself a very big star, uh, 20 times the mass of the sun or 30 times the mass of our sun. You know, and and then, you, then you let it run out of fuel. That will actually collapse. It will actually explode. It will implode, so to speak. And so the, the outer shells will fly out with, you know, 10,000 of kilometers per second. Well, you know, ex excuse my, my, my units. I'm Euro European. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the inner part will be compressed to a small nucleus, which will be where all the matter will be compressed into very small region. You know, you have something the size of our solar system that, you know, compressed into something, well, not the solar system, maybe a bit smaller, but, you know, it will be comp compressed into something like, like tens of kilometers or miles, whatever, uh, in diameter. And then you have so much mass in such a small room that the, the, the gravitational attraction is so strong that there's no force that can prevent that little core of, of the star to, from, from collapsing. So it will, it will keep collapsing, it will become smaller and more compact. And therefore the, gra the force of gravity will be stronger because the smaller, more mass we have in the smaller re region, the stronger gravity will be. And it will keep collapsing forever until everything sort of disappears into one point. But then if you, if you approach that you know, point mass, or almost a point mass, then you know you can always try to fly away from it, but you know if you get too close, the gravitational attraction will be so strong that you would have to fly with the speed of light to get away, and that's impossible because nothing. That's what Einstein told taught us, 
And that's you know what we see in nature. Nothing can ever move faster than the speed of light. Light is the fastest of all the things in the universe. Light has no mass, right? So it, 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 it can, it just can, you know, it's a lighter thing in the universe, so to speak. You know, it can fly like this. You know, if, if you have a heavy truck, you want to accelerate it. You have to have a lot of pressure to, to move it, right? If you have a little car, you, you know, single person can push it. If you have a little, you know, ball, you can, you can accelerate it very fast. If you have something light, it will fly on its own, essentially. You don't even have to accelerate it. It will just fly at the speed of light. Uh, and so the fastest thing you have in the universe is, is light. And if, you know, this star is so much compressed that it's so small that not even light can escape. So nothing can ever escape. And so light can go in, but never come out. Whatever you do, no information can come out, no radio emission, no, no sound, <laughs> whatever. And so it's really the perfect darkness, a one-way membrane where everything goes in, nothing ever comes out. In At least what? according to Einstein. What, what is it, when you say go in, you, we just don't know what's in there? Like what, what is well, in there? You, where do you go? Well, that's a good question. It's actually what a black hole is actually, you know, curved space-time, <laughs> a big funnel in, in space and time. And so even if you have a, a, a shell, so to speak, a dark shell, which is a virtual shell of, of this darkness that's surrounding this, this, this mass, there's almost an infinite amount of space inside because space is stretched. So you can always throw more matter into it. It will fall towards the center. It will con- uh, will enter this, this singularity, this, 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 the point in the center. And you know, it will just make the entire, the, the, the curvature stronger and let this event horizon grow. But everything will fall into the center. Everything will d- disappear into this one point. Everything you throw in will be just one point or, or ring in the end. But you know, if, if, if the black hole spins, that's a detail for the nerds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's all destroyed in there. Like light, everything is... Is just... Everything becomes just one. It becomes just one point. You know, you, you, we don't even know what, what, what state of matter or light is. You know, they, we don't even know the physics of, of, of something happening in there. Uh, we, we just, you know, according to, to Einstein, everything becomes one point. Mm-hmm. But we can't see it. We can't measure it. So we couldn't even, you know, if, if it would turn into some green jelly or whatever, you know, <laughs> right. according to some weird physics, we would not be able to tell. Because we couldn't measure it. Yeah, the th- it, but before it even becomes a black hole, it already violates what you could even understand in any intuitive way. In that the atoms themselves collapse, so that gets you kind yes. of. It starts to point back to the Big Bang in a way that if you imagine the whole universe going into a single point, then you would have something to Big Bang with, right? You yeah, could it, almost it, see it that way. But before, when the star collapses, if it starts big enough, the the atoms themselves no longer hold up. The gravity becomes so great that the atoms collapse, and then you yeah. don't even have matter like made out of normal material, and that's still sitting in this physical world. And then it squashes it so much that it leaves, you know, what it go it goes beyond what what it, you know it doesn't even hold up as existing in this world. Really, like it uh, collapses I, itself out of existence. Like you can't, Absolutely. I mean, you know. I mean, the first thing that happens actually, you create a neutron star, and, and those things we know exist. Actually. And they 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 exist in this universe of collapse. They exist in this universe. Yeah. They, have, they have been measured. They've been Nobel prizes for it. People, colleagues of mine measure it all the time. That's when you crush atoms. You actually push the electrons together. You 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 merge them with the protons in in, in the center, 
And then, you know, you turn something like an atom, if, if it, you know, is the size of a stadium, a football stadium, you know, you turn it into something that's the, same, the size of a dime, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's how you, you can save a lot of space because atoms, you know, all matter is, is essentially empty, you know, more or less. It's just, you know, it's, it's a small nucleus and, and, and some, an electron cloud around it, uh, which is very light. And that you can squash and it turns into a neutron. A neutron. And so an entire star, the size of our sun could turn to something that is uh, like three kilometer, you know, a mile essentially in, in, in radius. Um, and, you know, but if you then compress it even more, you know, thereabout, then it, it turns into a black hole. So it goes you know, to becomes zero smaller than that. You know, you, yeah. you compress the neutrons, the, the nucleus of, of, of the nucleus into something, into a form of matter that we don't know what it is. You know, that, that's a, something we, we it's completely unearthly, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> That's crazy. So how, when you say it, it does that and it collapses on itself, how, how big, how wide is a black hole? Like how, like it, it is it a, a humongous The blackness? event horizon is what you're asking because that's yeah, where, exactly. yeah, it, yeah. that's the side, that's the event horizon is the boundary by which it becomes black to us. Yes. Because whatever's there doesn't, you can't, yeah. since it can't come back, you can't see it. So yeah. once it, that, and that boundary is big, that can be huge. Like a Depends big, on how much know. mass, now, if, if you have, uh, you know, a, a, a star, as I said, a, a star, the size of, uh, our sun, um, then you would have, you know, two miles diameter or so, uh, for, for the event horizon, you know, very small region, but of course all the matter would be in a point that, uh, uh, that's insanely small, smaller than an atom, so to speak. You know, you have the entire wow. sun disappear into the size of an atom, he, and, and, and smaller still. But if you go to the one, the, the picture that we took of of a supermassive black hole in the center of a galaxy, in the galaxy M87, which is 55 million light years away, right? So that's pretty far, 55 million light years, at least for normal people. For us astronomers, it's actually relatively close. But okay, 55 million light years away, and then you have actually an event horizon that's actually larger than our solar system. Because you have, six, you, have wow. six, you have six billion stars that over the, the lifetime of the universe were actually collapsing into that central black hole and just made it bigger. That's so awesome. Black hole, yeah. And Let me black absorb hole. that. Uh, that's, that's, that's a new size concept for me. You're saying that the supermassive black hole's event horizon is larger than our solar system. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and so maybe. do they grow the, so even if it's a single point of a black hole of infinite density, the, the size of the black hole, so the event horizon tells you something about it's the mass that's in, that's, the, that's the measure of the mass is that the, the, the size of the event horizon. Yes. The, the okay. more mass has disappeared. Every bit that falls in just makes the black hole. And it bigger. grows. Right. It, it grows, right. you know, it just you know, becomes yeah. larger and larger and larger and in principle, never stops uh, unless you know uh, quantum physics kicks in and, and Hawking radiation exists, and it could actually melt away over very long time scales. Mm -hmm. But you know th these time scales are so insane. Oh long. yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, um, like as in what are those time scales though? Um, that's crazy. You're saying that the Hawking radiation is if one particle escapes in a quantum event or antimatter or something like that, and it's something yeah, like yeah. a little thing but only one of those happens at a time until all the mass of the black hole evaporates 
Yeah, there, there's. I mean, <laughs> Steve. What? Yeah, you, you're going the right direction. You know, yeah. you know that, that Stephen Hawking showed. You know, that you know, if if quantum physics, you know, is merged in some in, in some very ad hoc fashion, actually, uh, with black holes, then black holes should actually start radiating away um, due to quantum effects. They become you know slightly radiative. But uh, for a black hole, as in the center of M87 um, that we, we looked at, it would take 10 to the 97 years for that effect to, to you know, that's 97 zeros after the one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, years. That yeah. is so insanely long. That's longer than any time scale we, we could imagine. You know, if, even if you would take out of, you know, over the entire lifetime of the universe, you take one atom, out of that universe, just one atom. There are insane amount of atoms in this universe, right? There are more stars in this universe than there are sand on the beaches of, of our world, right? And, and, and they have many more atoms than you can imagine. Uh, but if you just take one atom out of the universe every you know, 13 billion years, you would still evaporate the black hole, uh, the, the universe faster than this black hole would, would, would evaporate. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> so that's why we cannot measure Hawking radiation and we don't even know whether it exists. So and- we're at the death of a universe questions come into play then. Like why won't a black hole swallow up the whole universe or will something else change the time scale or will the universe just evaporate eventually in that type of time scale? Very good question. Yeah, we we don't really know. We know that the lifetime of the universe is finite. We know the lifetime of the Earth is finite, right? So, <laughs> again, that's why another reason why I don't understand why you know why, why those religious leaders, uh, you know, in, in, in certainly in, in some evangelical quarters, were so anti-science for a long time because you know some of the basic you know ideas and concepts that are taught in, in the Bible were just you know shown to be right, right? So there was a beginning. Uh, as a colleague once said, you know, we've proven uh, the first three words of the Bible to be correct in the beginning. <laughs> so, <laughs> why the Big Bang? But there's also an end to this world because, you know, our sun will run out of fuel at some point. Well, it still takes four and a half billion years, but, you know, it will run out of fuel. We're and halfway we, there. We're halfway there. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we should celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's still, you know, there's still some time to enjoy sunshine and build stuff. Uh, photovoltaic uh, systems to, you know, uh, to get energy. Um, and th- that will happen with, with other stars as well. All the stars at some point will die out, will run out of fuel, uh, and then the entire universe should die out. And it, it, the last thing that will happen is that black holes will evaporate. That will be the very, almost the very last thing that, that, that will happen in this universe. And th- that's the saying that the universe won't recontract into a big crunch. As far as we know, it won't. There are some people who still like that to happen because, you know, to have like a cyclic universe. Um, but current data doesn't support this. And some actually Nobel Prize winners, you know, suggest this. And, um, but I, at this point, I don't see that we all, that this is the case. Uh, but as another of my colleagues once said in, in, in the talk, you know, the universe was so filled with, you know, creative forces. You know, so much creation has happened throughout the entire lifetime of the universe, we don't know what's next. You know, something unexpected could happen. And there are facts that we observe now in our phase of the universe that were not observable in the early phase of the universe. 
Now, had you been there uh, 380,000 years after the Big Bang, you'd seen this fireball, you would have never predicted the um, appearance of stars, right? Um, or of life, of whatever, of planets, of, of certain elements. I don't right. think that that would have been possible to predict. And then now we, we see that the universe is expanding faster than it should have. There's some, some, some expanding force that we call dark energy. And that's only now really you know, becoming dominant. It wasn't in the beginning of the universe. It wasn't even visible. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we, we could not have known at the beginning. And if you look into the future, um, if, if the universe has been you know, expanding very, uh, for a long time, We'll lose all the signals of the Big Bang. We'll not no longer know there was a beginning. You know, the only thing we'll know of that beginning will be some old books, you know, which which tell us you know, if they exist for a few billion, you know, tens of billion years. I don't know how long it will take. Um, and, uh, and and then there may be even accelerated expansion that you know there's a complete rip, not rip off, <laughs> that, that the universe really expands so so quickly. That we all just everything is completely isolated. You know, there's only our galaxy left, more or less. Or you know, yeah. So even it, so, even an advanced civilization won't be able to save themselves at some some point in future in the future, right? The uni you're saying the universe will end, like it'll run out of fuel. I mean, I, I maybe somebody creates something that could keep a star from imploding or something like that. I mean, maybe that's possible in the future or something. But most likely, there will be an end to everything there will be an end to everything there will be i mean you could you could go out to another planet you could maybe even, even if you were able to go to another milky way right if, if that were possible yeah you will not be able to survive the end of the world you know technology will not save us for forever yeah yeah i mean so of you, course you, long time scales you know we're talking many many billions of years right? but but given the inflation the you're eventually our galaxy will be in its own light cone or whatever so that it can't we won't even know the, the galaxies we can see now one day we won't be able to see them that's true yeah there's some galaxies we'll, we'll merge with and will become one big galaxy and then you know the other galaxies will just fly out of out of sight and we, we can't see it anymore because it runs they will run away much faster than light can travel um and uh, uh yeah and then so, it looks like a lonely, you know, <laughs> universe will look like people imagined it, imagined it 100 years ago when we thought our universe is just that galaxy. So mm -hmm. we are in a very fortunate situation in the universe, to be honest. We can see the beginning. We, you know, we can see that. We can see the end. We can see, the, you know, these, these, uh, these black holes. We, uh, we, we can live here on a beautiful planet with, with the sun shining. Um, in you know the universe over you know long time scales will be quite different. So that means if if there's as many you said stars or planets as there are you know more than the sand on the beach, then that that seems to be that there are more uh, lot. There's more life in the universe then, right? Like wouldn't it wouldn't that be the case then? Because it seems like. If we're fortunate enough to be here, it seems like there's enough opportunity for some some other planet to be fortunate enough to maybe have some it life. Could well be, but it's a purely scientific question to me. And it's you know we either find it or we won't. Um, something to look for. Uh, it's it's hard to predict. It, it you know it, it's conceivable that this is a case. Uh, no radio waves like 
with that you've picked up that might be intelligent or for example this is one way that that people do they're looking for uh, radio signals from from advanced civilizations of course the question is will we be using radio technology in the future and what we'll be using it for and what will it be looking like uh and and to be honest you really need much bigger telescopes to actually detect it i think um unless someone really purposely out there wants to be seen things will be very hard to pick uh ex, you know, extraterrestrial radio signals up so mm-hmm. if people don't want to be seen or they're not really targeting us right. to communicate then it will be will be tough um people look for it they haven't found anything for a long time scale um and you know suppose there is life in the universe it's, it still is you know an if you know science requires proof you know just assuming it is there doesn't mean it's there but you know suppose it is um it could be very far away and it would be very difficult to communicate you know maybe it's hundreds thousands maybe it's a million light years away you know you right. always will take you know hundreds or thousands or millions of years to actually send one message and get another message back so, so even uh, if we got a, if even if we got a message today that civilization could be extinct or 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 something back at ha- or they're all dead yeah. that sent it right it like, could be I mean, all gone yeah yeah absolutely. it could yeah. be it could be from a, an alien civilization that lived a hundred million years ago and sent you a message <laughs> it, it could but i, I doubt know. we'd be able to actually uh, to <laughs> detect it because it wouldn't be bright enough right so uh, we realistically we could only see something that's relatively nearby and that we haven't found yet well when you say bright enough are you seeing the radio that's what the radio what what do you mean by bright enough that the the signal you have to have i mean if if you listen to a radio station in your car and you drive too far away from your city you can't listen to it anymore because just uh, it it is not strong enough yeah yeah bright you know in terms of radio light you know Mm. radio emission is also light it's just a different frequency than the light we see with our eyes yeah, like ultraviolet and X-ray yeah. and infrared. Yes, and all yes, that. absolutely. Um, radio's high frequency. Sorry, radio's on the high frequency, higher or lower? No, it's a low frequency. It's lower frequency, it's actually like low infrared frequencies. and yeah, X-ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you go, you have okay. the optical, then you go to near infrared, which is lower, longer wavelengths and, mm-hmm. and, and lower frequencies, and then you go to far infrared, uh, and then you go to uh, terahertz radiation or sub-terahertz radiation. This is when you go to the airport scanner, when you have to lift your arms, right? So the new ones. Uh, and then you go to microwaves <laughs> and, and Wi-Fi and so, or your cell phone. Uh, that's in the gigahertz range. This is essentially low frequency. Yes, yeah, uh, From low the perspective of, of optical light. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, okay, my next question I have about black holes. You said that it'll all end, but will it happen like see if tell me if i'm way off here and under because i'm just trying to understand black holes so there's a giant black hole and then our our sun will also will our sun create a black hole at some point no it's too it's too light it's too small but is (laughs) there a is there a is there a star that's close enough to us to create a black hole that would suck in our our galaxy or there are some brighter stars and i don't know how how close the closest one is uh I mean, the closest black hole that we know of is about a thousand light years and thereabout. And there was a recent, you know, paper about uh, yeah. something called unicorn. We're still not entirely clear whether it's a black hole, but um, the, the point is these black holes are, you know, 
they're very tiny. So the, the likelihood is they're very small bullets. Right. They're a s- tiny fraction of the stars, other stars in the universe, you know, because most stars don't turn into black holes. So two black holes somewhat in the future near each other, won't one won't overpower the other one and suck it in, right? It, it could it, happen, but then they have to hit each other really, you know, right on. So it's like you have to shoot two bullets, you know, and they have to hit each and other. They would have to hit at the exact I to, see. Yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. Would there be more and more black holes to where eventually one black hole will rule them all and suck everything in? Is that well, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, we have already about hundred millions of, of black holes in our universe. Of course, we have hundreds of billions of stars. So it's a small fraction. And in the center. We have this one big black hole in the center of our own Milky Way, and you know, and some of these other black holes will migrate to the center and make this one bigger. And uh, but the rest of the galaxy, I think, the likelihood that two black holes collide are very small, unless they already were, were born that way. That were mm-hmm. you know, some clusters of stars when they have you know hundred thousand of 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 stars in in a small region. That's where it could happen. But in the region where we are. I think the collision with a black hole is, is almost negligible. It's more likely that we'll hit another star, so to speak. And then yeah. you're not hit literally by the mass, but we actually just feel the gravitational influence. And so if you come close to another star, the Earth could be ripped off from our sun and then fly out into interstellar space. And that would be a uh, freaking experience and pretty cold. Because <laughs> we would die pretty quick, right? What what happens when our, when our sun, you said four, I remember, I thought it was... Uh, when I was a kid, they said the sun would burn out in six billion years. Now it's four and a half. Oh, okay, I, I, sorry, it's four and a half billion years old. We're roughly half halfway through, and you know maybe I shouldn't give the exact number. I I wouldn't even know the exact number. Maybe it's five. Okay. I think six is a bit on the long side, but maybe yeah. maybe I'm wrong here. Okay, so so somewhere in that, that okay, so around that, so say in five and a half billion years, you are standing on Earth and the sun implodes. What I mean, we're dead long, well long before that, like. Or, or do you die? Like, does it implode and then we die? Like, well, well actually, as far as I know, uh, the first thing that will happen actually, the, the star will uh, expand and will become a red giant. So, it actually, it's so on the last phases of its evolution. Stars actually don't die uh, just like that. They, they, first, they create a firework, so to speak. You know? and, and and our star will become a, a red giant, and so we actually disappear in the in the in the sun if we're still at the location where we are now. So it's a likelihood that we'll just burn up. Uh, wow! And so, uh, so the, then, the days will know, just get hotter and hotter and hotter until eventually the Earth is scorched, and yeah. then we become a part of the sun. Yeah, we'll, we'll just melt uh, and, and disappear, or we'll be flung out into into interstellar space. You know, or um, there are a number of ways the Earth could end. Um, both bad options. <laughs> we have we, we have options. Uh, yeah. The most likely one that we do it to ourselves, right? So right, <laughs> this is the, right. the more imminent danger there is, uh, given that we have today's technology, which is at least strong enough to to influence and, and and change the Earth and the appearance of the Earth. And so that I think is much more dangerous than than the sun. Right. All right. So uh, your book is called Light in the Darkness, Black Holes, the Universe and Us. What is uh, you, what, are, what are some takeaways now? Because it's it's out in it's been out in Germany for a while, but it's not here in the U.S. yet. Right. No, it, it is out. It was a big bestseller in Germany, luckily. Yeah. And now it, it, it came out in, in the U.S. And so it's now uh, for sale. And OK, so, uh, I was looking on Amazon. It said, uh, oh, OK, yeah, yeah. I, I think I was looking at a, a, a wrong site. It said September for a paperback, but I think the hard book hardcover might be out now 
Oh, it's absolutely out there. Yes, yes, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, haven't, uh, I, haven't, I, I haven't received it myself, so that's a bit frustrating. <laughs> I've only seen it virtually. So I'm, but I was told people have read it. They have you know, had it in their hands, so it should be out there. That's awesome. What, what is the big takeaway that you want folks to, or what, what's your sales pitch for getting people to read this book? Well, actually, it, it is a, you know, at the core is the story of how we took the first ever picture of a black hole. Now, this was big world news in, in, in 2019. I was just talking with a BBC scientist who said this story about this first picture of the black hole was on the BBC news page was their best viewed news, news story ever more than wow. major celebrity news or, or, or major wars. Or, or, or. So that really shocked me. Um, you know, it's something that four and a half billion people saw, you know, that, that picture of this red glowing donut, you know, of, of, yeah. of, of a mission and the darkness in, in the very center. So I, I, I describe how this came about, but I also describe the entire, essentially, development of, of us humans exploring space. So we start on the moon, we go out to the stars and the, and the galaxies, and, and we end up at black holes, and then we think beyond. And what's what's beyond? You know, we mm-hmm. what what does it mean that we are now looking at the end of space and time? We're looking at the beginning of space and time, and and you know, the science actually this is a huge triumph. It's a huge triumph of science. We can see a black hole. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But it also tells us there's a limit to what we can know, and that's something I wanted people to re- reflect about. That we are now, that we're living in this amazing time, so technology can can give us pictures and show us you know visions of this universe that people could only dream about before and now we can actually see we can take photographs so to speak of it yeah but it also tells us you know stop until here maybe not not further and there's something new maybe something new to be discovered here i don't know but you know there is a fundamental mental limit that we hit and we are you know i think getting into a new age of you know how we think about science and it's you know where to go next yeah. Well, that's great. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for sitting through all these questions. I know that's probably, you probably deal with this a lot, but, uh, you know, it's very, it's way over my head and I'm just glad that I can speak with somebody that can explain it like you do and, and make it, bring it down to my level. So I really appreciate that. Um, people can find you at your website, Hino, uh, Hino at, uh, dot org, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. They can find all, that the, all, they, the, all the money goes actually to our youth work in our church. So that's, uh, uh, oh really? I, I don't see it as a commercial exercise. I, what is your um, What is your church? What What church and particular faith is, do you practice? Uh, it's It's just a, a very ordinary Protestant church. I mean, like mm-hmm. like we're not so complicated in Germany. Right? We have a Catholic. We have a Protestant church. That's essentially it. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the US, you have so many different ones. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I I was in the US for for almost uh, two years. Uh, there, I was in a Southern Baptist church. And I was happy there. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, so I I know all these denominations, but um, yeah, maybe maybe you can compare it to a Presbyterian church in in the U.S. Mm-hmm. now. So, so. well, that's great. That, well, that's we so appreciate cool the that. time and the perspective uh, very much. Uh, it's, it's been great, great perspective. And oh, you great. stayed up late, right? It's like almost ele- is it eleven o'clock. I was actually very exhausted today. I was happy <laughs> I made it through this interview because we were actually walking, you know, that, yeah, the weekend for for uh, walking the Camino. This sort of a uh, you know, walk towards Santiago de Compostela, which is the small stages. And I was totally exhausted and felt a little bit sick. But, you know, <laughs> I'm talking to you guys, you know, no, like, I appreciate you're, you're, you're energetic and engaged and leaning into the camera when you're making a yeah. big point. So I'm glad, yeah. I mean, I, I'm thrilled about this that, even great. though it's late for you. So thank you for being that engaged with us. Uh, wonderful. I had a great, t- great time talking to you. Bye-bye.
Bye. All right. I still feel like I can't say his name. Heino Falke? He said the, the second name Falk? different. Um, it sounded like he said Falcon. Like they almost had an end like sound. Falcon, to the end of, yeah, yeah that's, but, that, that's his accent. I mean, that's what I'm saying. We can't. I'm not going to win with my southern accent. It doesn't matter if I say it exactly right. Well, he probably can't say like a bunch of stuff you say. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, but, but, but if he mispronounces something, it still sounds intelligent. Oh, yeah. yeah. I sound like, yeah, you know, so <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you know, you, you cross the street if I'm walking past you in the middle of the night or something like that. I think that's one of the wildest things is that when you hear somebody speak in their second language and they're not that great at it, it is a ve- I know for a fact that p- people, they say this is not true, but I know that they, in your mind, you can't help but think of them as less intelligent, even though they're the one speaking a oh, second yeah, yeah. language, yeah. you feel like you're helping a child. Right. Yeah. Even, but they're the one demonstrating the You're superior. not talking about Hino right now. You're saying, yeah, somebody that... I'm, he, yeah, he, I'm just saying when I great. meet somebody who's speaking English as their second language... I, I will think about them. I'll think, oh, poor guy. Let me help him out. Like, but like not a, Hino just now. He's no, unbelievable. No, no, he's, no, no, he's unbelievable. I'm just saying no. there is that that right. is like a disrespectful mean. way that we look at people speaking a second language. Like, yes. especially just when you have no context. When you're speaking to right. a European physicist, no, the effect is not in play. But I'm just saying when you meet somebody on the street and they're saying, oh, right. speaking a second right. language, you you feel like oh, I'm gonna help this poor person that just right. can't yes. they're not even with it i mean i look how well i speak yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. but, and you feel sorry for them or something like that but they're the one that's dominating you know and, and to be able to have a real conversation like that at that level about technical things and use expression and all that that's just yeah oh it's just unbelievable that people can he do just it. I, I just i'm always jealous of people like like he wrote that book and he's giving away all the proceeds like he's just like he has a real freedom, I think. Like he he believes in God, goes to church, and also studies anything he wants about science or the universe, or like. And he just like he obviously has done well or whatever. And so his, I mean, his life is is all about pursuing stuff and work, and I mean, and God, life. I'm sure he's a great family man, husband, father, all that stuff. But it's just interesting. Like he just. Can you imagine writing a book and giving just imagine just writing a book how hard that would be? You'd want to get compensated really well mm-hmm. and to write a book and then give away the proceeds. It's like that's just I mean, it's like a good person, a really good person, way better than me. I would not do that. Uh, I don't that being, I don't think I could do that. Didn't didn't Mark Driscoll say he gave away all his proceeds of his book too or something? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll think of all the pastors that say, "My God, I don't even keep the money." <laughs> maybe maybe people like like Hino should be become pastors. Like you wouldn't, I would trust him more than an evangelical pastor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if if he I would think so. he would tell you about the universe and what if one Sunday was about a black hole, just about black holes. I mean, it's God's creation if you want to go that route with it. But I mean, it's just he had it, a very smooth, like non flinching. You know, no, he didn't. He wasn't coming from a place of trying to make an argument that these things can go together. Don't he was just he's just past that. He's just right. He's just living a somewhat of an integrated life of the physical and the yes. spiritual, and he's not trying to make it's the so argument that they overlay or don't or right. It's not. That's really not. That's, that's not, a losing argument. You shouldn't yeah. do that. You right. know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You don't have to. Like that was his big point that I, I took away. We've been saying that for a while here too. Um. I, a thing just came up said my internet's unstable, like my life. Yeah, it's been a little glitchy. 
I apologize, everybody. But um, that that he says the more you learn, you know, the more you realize you don't know, and that's just the, that that should be about everything. That, that that would that's an amazing God. The more you learn about God, the more you expansive and huge He is. The more to, or they are, whatever you want to say. Uh, that that's a great God. That's a amazing God. That's a a God to live in awe of. Not one that we can fit in this box of all. Oh, this is what He does. He he just cares about what you do in the bedroom. He cares if you go to church on Sunday. If you know your scripture and stuff like that. Like I mean, some of those things are important, but as at the same time, the not knowing is the key to everything. You because once you got something figured out, then you got some attitude about but it not or, knowing is not what attracts people to religions <laughs> no i know you're right the not knowing is not something that is sought by anybody right. oh, certainty right, right. is the thing that is sought yeah so you know you can say or i would say that god or gods or any in any form are f- quite functional and useful and reasonable to to like to know to just say, it's almost like it's, it could be a placeholder in a direction, or something just to unite everybody together around the concept of a, a god or something. It's a functional concept that can work. Doesn't mean it's right. true or not true, but it is useful to have a framework or a god, even though it is limited and there is a box. It's just you don't have to stay yeah. in the box though. Like you know, right. there's a there, you, when you say the Christian God that. There's a box implied there. It doesn't actually cover everything, really. It doesn't right. actually cover every question. So, but you can go beyond it also. So you you know, it's not I don't think it's that crazy to say you can put on or take off or go inside and yeah. outside of different frameworks of looking at things, including religious ones or the interaction with a god. It seems right. like those things are flexible things that are both useful but need not be limiting and certainly can't be used to get certainty. That was no. what you can't – you can't take the tool of a god and then make it give you certainty. You're going to come out with bad stuff if you do that. Well, I can I can explain the Big Bang Theory to you if you want me to. You got it? Yeah. Yeah, hit it. God spoke and bang! bang! It happened. There it was. It happened. Amen yeah. and amen. Y'all yeah. have a good one. <laughs>